Good morning, everyone. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> Was that you, Jones? <laughs> um, as you said, my name's Esther. I'm one of the leaders here. Um, and it's good to be here this morning. The sun is out for now, which is always a good thing. Um, so I don't know about you, uh, but sometimes I think it's possible to get a little bit too chilled out with the whole idea of God speaking to us. Like when, when you really think about it, it's a crazy concept that says so much about God, us, and this relationship that we get to have together. We're human though, aren't we? Yeah, it's not just me, good. Um, so like, we forget, we move on quickly, we uh, get bored, we get sucked into, oh, what's, what's the next thing? Um, and we shared in March at our vision and prayer evening that in um, pulling stuff together from our prayer week in January and different things shared in different places by different people, um, that we felt like God was underlining, highlighting, putting in bold three things for us as church together to get stuck into. And just in case you can't remember, uh, these three things are our relationship with God, our relationships with each other and relationships with our communities. And so, in an effort to avoid the temptation to rush on and risk forgetting that God, that's God, has been speaking to us specifically, we're taking three Sundays to pause and explore all of this. Uh, Last weekend, quite conveniently, um, we got stuck into relationships with our communities as we got involved in the noise weekend, as we have just heard about. And it's really cool, really encouraging to hear about everything that kind of happens over that weekend. And obviously, as Stu um, pointed out, the noise is not just for a weekend. And as church, we want to keep on praying and keep on looking out for those people and building those relationships that Jesus is pointing us to. And so next week, um, Derek is going to be speaking on our relationships with each other. And today we are going to be exploring our relationship with God. And we're going to be having a look at some verses from a book in the Bible called uh, Song of Songs and some of Jesus' words in Mark. Song of Songs, isn't a, is, we don't often talk about this book, do we? So why these verses? Why today? Well, quite simply, the verses we're going to look at today came up a lot over a short space of time earlier this year. It was like, you know, you read some verses in the Bible and you think, oh, that's quite cool. I think there might be something in that. Then someone sends you a text sharing those same verses. And then someone sends you an email, same theme. Then someone writes these verses on the wall in the prayer room. And then they crop up the next day in the Bible app that you use. And it starts to feel like God is stood right next to you, right next to us, with a megaphone turned up to loud that is pretty much impossible to ignore. So here we are. Um, and before we get into our specific verses, uh, we're going to spend a minute on the book of Song of Songs as a whole, because as I said, it's not one we look at very much. And um, 
not expecting you to be able to really see or read that, but um, that's it. That's the Song of Songs. Um, really, really helpful. It's taken from the Bible Project, and um, there is a link there. The PowerPoint will be on our website. You can uh, have a look at a six-minute summary of um, the book of Song of Songs. Really recommend that. Um, but So the Song of Songs, it's a collection of Israelite love poetry. And it's a flowing song between two lovers who only have eyes for each other. Uh, it's often assumed that Solomon wrote it, but as the guy had 700 wives and wasn't known for the kind of love that we get invited into here, and the speaking voice is predominantly a young woman, it's more likely written by someone else, but in uh, Solomon's wisdom tradition. And... I don't know if you remember studying poetry at school. Uh, the point of poetry, it's not to solve it. It's not to find answers. Um, but through it, as we uh, read the Song of Songs as a whole, we get to see, uh, to experience the power and intensity of love. And this love is being a gift from God. And this book, this poem, it's open-ended. Um, we're left at the end with lots of possibilities, maybe a lot like love. Um, and in preparing this talk, bearing in mind everything I've just said, I thought it would be a really good thing to um, listen to the Song of Songs as a whole. So settled down on the sofa, got my Bible up, out, uh, and listened to it as one piece of flowing poetry. So that's what I did. And my summary is, it's spicy. <laughs> and um, so my question then is, what do we do when there's spicy love poetry in the Bible? And what do we do when God is speaking to us through said poetry? Like, are we okay with that? That is a genuine question you don't have to answer now. Um, <laughs> Uh, one last thing before we read our verses. just want to say, like every other verse, every word in the Bible, this is for everyone. Like we all have very different experiences of human love, and that undoubtedly plays a part in how we think, how we hear about and absorb the concept of God's love. Like that's real. We feel that, and we don't need to pretend otherwise. But at the same time, Whatever our experiences, they will never change the power and intensity of God's very specific and very personal love for each one of us here. So, should we have a read? <laughs> You'll look a bit scared now. <laughs> um, so, we're going to read uh, from Song of Songs, chapter 2. We're going to read verses 8 to 13. Uh, the words will be on the wall behind me if you don't have a Bible to have a look at. So, um, this is the young woman in um, this poem who's speaking. Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling. My beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. 
The fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. And as we explore our relationship with God using this poetry, we're going to pick out three things that I think are specifically for us and for now. And they are invitation, seasons, and Jesus. Because it's always good to finish with Jesus and start and everything in between. You know what I mean? So, invitation. Um, In verses 8 to 10, we see some of the seeking and finding that characterizes this relationship. And this repeats itself throughout the whole of the Song of Songs. Like there's a pattern, a desperate, oh no, I've lost them, where have they gone? To finding each other and everything's okay again. To losing each other again. To finding each other again. And then lose, you get the point. And so this emotional roller coaster goes on throughout this whole book. And re- relationships are very rarely straightforward. You try and plot any relationship on a graph, and a steady flat line is unlikely and maybe even an impossible outcome. And God invites every single, one of us, every single one of us to have a relationship with him, knowing full well that this is the case. Like imagine if I gave you a bit of A4 paper right now, um, and then I asked you to draw some kind of graph showing how you see your relationship with God. Like, how has it been? How is it now? Maybe your piece of paper, maybe it's blank, because... You don't know where you're at with God. You don't know if you want in with God right now. Like Maybe the graph, maybe it's something you would only want to do in private. You don't want anyone else to see that. Maybe you'd need a bigger bit of paper. But like, whatever you're thinking right now, it doesn't matter in the sense that God's invitation is always the same. That's the one constant in the messiness of our lives. And we all get the same invitation. No one gets a fast track pass with their invite. There's no A list or B list, whatever letter kind of list. We all get the same invitation. And I love how the young woman, she describes her lover running like crazy over bumpy terrain to get to her. And Jesus gives us a similar picture in a story he tells us in Luke 15 about a lost son. Like this son leaves home, throws away everything, returns, tail metaphorically, between his legs, only to be greeted by his dad running down the road, robe inappropriately hitched up for extra speed towards him. And we all get the same invitation to have this crazy, intimate, powerful, excessively love-filled, I'm-running-hard-to-get-to-you relation with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And the, kind of the specific invitation in verse 10 um, is a big one. Like Her beloved has been running like crazy, paused to check her out through the window, And I imagine, get his breath back, maybe try and stop sweating for just a minute. And he says to her, 
Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. And I say this invitation is a big one because he does it with hand held out, asking for an immediate response, a move towards him. And I think this kind of invitation needs a load of courage and vulnerability to ask it, and also needs an equal amount of courage and vulnerability to respond to it. It's kind of like we're in the story and the credits roll, everyone groans. It's like, what's she going to say? Find out next week. Not actually. Um, And again, this makes me think about Jesus. Like the stories we read about Jesus in the Bible where he's doing and saying all kinds of amazing stuff, hand held out, inviting all kinds of people to respond, to follow him. And then there's Jesus with arms literally outstretched, like naked and dying slowly on a cross, looking us dead straight in the eye with the same kind of invitation, like looking at us and saying, get up, my awesome, my absolutely stunning creation, will you come with me? And I guess the questions for us that follow that invitation, like, will we stop long enough to hear Jesus? Like, what's our honest response to Jesus with his hand out? Like, will we get up, make eye contact, reach out, and move? This open-handed invitation from God to each one of us, it's like the starting place for us. It's the foundation that everything else is built on. And verse 11 starts with C. Like this invitation, it has a come and have a look element to it. And this is where we're going to get into second little thing, seasons. And seasons is it's one of those words that I like and dislike in equal measure. Like I like it because actually I think it's quite a helpful way to Um, think about the stuff of life like where you're at and what's going on I dislike it because it can become one of those overused Christian kind of cliches and we throw it around a little bit too casually and sometimes painfully but the imagery and the picture of seasons we read in verses 11 to 13 I think are beautiful and they have a prophetic edge and a God now word kind of thing to them that I think is for us as Ebby Church. So uh, let's just have another read of those verses. Uh, See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come, the cooing of doves is heard in our land, the fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread, spread their fragrance. The past is a tricky one, isn't it? It shapes who we are, no question about it. And it can be a really good thing, a really positive thing to look back and remember. It can also be painful um, and a place that needs like careful handling and healing. And it can also be a negative thing because it's very difficult to be present and to move forward if you're always 
looking back. And I like that in these verses, the guy isn't saying to the girl, oh, come on, the tough season is past. Draw a line under it, get over it. It's time to move on. His words are coming from that place of intimate, loving invitation. It's like, let's be honest about the winter. The past, it happened. And come with me. I see what's happening now. It's a both kind of thing. And just um, a little aside on winter. Like winter often looks bleak. Um, it looks like nothing's going on. But there's always stuff going on in winter. Like even if we can't see it, literally under the surface, there are things happening. So getting straight into it and obviously like please do think and pray about this but this is what I think God is saying to us as Ebby Church together right now and God says to us look do you see what I see flowers are appearing in places that looked empty there's music where things seem quiet and there are obvious signs that good and tasty fruit is growing And I think this is us. In the last uh, six or so months, I've seen this in so many ways. Like flowers appearing in places that looked empty. Music where things seemed quiet. And those signs of fruit growing. And it's awesome. It's also a little bit overwhelming in a good way. But I think something has shifted for us. Like something is changing. And we're all in it. We're all a part of it. And we still can't really like pin it down. But God's doing stuff. And we know that like winter has happened. Like we've been through some rough times as church together. But I see the winter is past. Like God is saying, look, do you see what I see? And it's all, it's all God. It's not us. We haven't like been clever and planted some seeds or found the volume for the music and turned it up. This is God. It's not us. And verse 13, it talks about flowering vines spreading their fragrance. And fragrance isn't something we can see with our eyes. But it has a wide reach and a huge impact, whether positively or negatively. But that is the thing. And God is inviting us into this deep, intimate, collective relationship with him. And a part of the deal is that his good stuff will flow out of us. Sometimes even without us knowing. And I think as a church right now in this moment we are being invited to be a church with a wide reach to live generously and courageously and to smell good and God holds his hand out to us and he says come look do you see what I see Um, we're 
going to finish up with Jesus. We're going to um, have a read of Mark chapter 1, um, verses 16 to 18. Uh, it's Jesus calls his first disciples. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Here we see Jesus, God with skin on, offering this same song of songs, come with me, invitation, in real time, to a couple of fishermen. And to be honest, I'd never try to read these verses to hear Jesus' invitation here in the context of eight chapters of Old Testament love poetry. And also, to be honest, when, um, when I read here Jesus' invitation here, I skip straight to the I will send you out part because I'm way more comfortable with the concept of being given a to-do list by Jesus than just hanging out with Jesus, hearing how great he thinks I am and how he loves me more than I could ever understand on repeat. Like we, we get a bit muddled, don't we? We know in our heads that we can't earn God's love. We know that God hasn't hidden a crazy busyness in the small print of his invitation. We know it's not all on us to save the world, but we still try. Like Jesus invites us to come in a few other real-time moments in the Bible. And it might be that one of these feels particularly relevant for you right now. Um, so have a listen. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In John 7, verse 37, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And in Matthew chapter 14, verse 29, Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. And as we read originally in Mark 1, 17, Jesus says, come, follow me. Each one of these invitations flow from Jesus' intensely powerful and personal love for us. We are all invited into a relationship with God that isn't task-oriented or result-driven, but the kind of relationship that makes putting eight chapters of intense love poetry in the Bible a totally reasonable and obvious thing to do. So, one more time because you know sometimes you need to be asked more than once. This is the end of verse 13. Arise, come my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. I'm going to pray.
Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are here with us. Yeah, God, thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, will you, yeah, will you continue to do what you're doing with us in this place today? Thank you, yeah, for your invitation to come. And yeah, I pray for each of us individually and together as church gathered here today, scattered. Um, yeah, that we would hear your invitation and we would respond. Jesus, will you show us, um, yeah, what you're doing? Thank you, yeah, for those signs of flowers appearing. Yeah, where we can look around in this room now where we can, um, yeah, hear stories about the noise and other stuff. And, yeah, we can see you doing stuff with us and in us. And, Jesus, we just want to get in on what it is you're doing. Will you help us to put aside our own expectations, our own agendas, our own feelings of this is what things should look like and to see what you're pointing out to us. Yeah, thank you for your crazy, intense, powerful, mind-blowing love for us. Yeah, together in the randomness of Ebby Church right now, thank you for your love for us. Yeah, will you help us to yeah, live courageously and generously? to share you and all your good stuff with people around us. Yeah, because that's what you ask us to do. We help us to live open-handedly with all the good stuff you've given us. Yeah, amen.